Greetings. Welcome to In Conversation with Trevor, brought to you by Heart and Soul Broadcasting Services. I go beyond the headlines and beyond the sensational. Today I'm in conversation with Marche Edward Solomon Makoni, otherwise known as Ted Makoni, a pioneering Zimbabwean entrepreneur. If you enjoy this conversation, remember to subscribe, to like, and to share. Let's get down to some work. Ted Marconi, welcome to In Conversation with Trevor. Thanks. You know, when, when I finally decided uh, that we need to sit down with you, a lot of beautiful memories came um, across my mind. And I was reminded of the beautiful days that you and I, and remember Shua Chimbua? Yes, the, the journalist. Regis Nyamakanga. Yes. We would go to cocktail parties. Yes. You were, you were a, 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 a already a pioneering businessman and we would be having our drinks and uh and then uh in the middle of it all middle of it all you would then say guys gande panze futa i want to smoke <laughs> and you'll take out your pipe and you start smoking and you'll tell us these amazing stories we called it, it we called it the smoke smoke break. break do you still smoke ted no given up why mm, it was by coincidence um, apparently, for your own information, I got uh, became a victim of uh, COVID, mm. and during the process of being healing, he cured and really healing. I went to some doctor who, in fact, misdiagnosed. I can't remember what problem he was, he, was, he was looking for. And when I asked him what had caused it, and he said he's smoking. Hmm. He said, really? And he said, yes. I said, from now on, I'm not smoking. <laughs> That's how I stopped. Wow. But you survived COVID, obviously. Oh, yes. Do you still drink? Only occasionally. If yeah. um, I met a place where there is relaxation, mm. but I will never drink just because there is a drink. Right. Uh, it, it why, to... why the change? Mm. Well, when I stopped the, the lagers, I carried on drinking occasionally whiskey. Mm -hmm. And that's what I go for. Okay. And... It's not a question of drinking because it's there. Yeah. I've got to have the feeling that I think I'm... Oh, I need a drink. Yeah, or if I'm amongst friends who are also drinking and mm. I feel I would like to. Mm. Not necessarily because I must. Mm. <laughs> that that that's, comes with maturity, isn't it? That's wisdom. I think so. Yeah. Yes. Ted, you, you represent an amazing crop of pioneering businessmen. And I'm going to run through those that I remember, and I want you to, to add a few names there. 
And for me, really having you here is partly a celebration of your generation. Thanks. Celebration of these amazing people who started businesses in the most difficult times. Oh, yeah. You were in business. Um, uh, I mean, I was reflecting, you know, I think I've known you for 30 years, over 30 years. That's much longer than that. Yeah, much longer than that. And um, so the people that you represent to me are people like Paul Mukondo. Yes. Uh, the late Ben Micheche. Yes. Paul Matambanazo. Mm-hmm. Job Kadengu. Yes. Um, who else do you remember within that group of uh, you guys who started businesses in very difficult times. And at that time, by the way, Ted, most of you were limited to the retail stores. You were limited to transport com- uh, running ca- transport com- company, companies, companies yes. farming in the uh, old African purchase areas. Who do you remember uh, in that group that stands out for you? Well, you have um, Joseph Terorezo. Mm-hmm. Um, what has just fought into? He was in transport. Transport. He was in competition with the Matambanados. Aha. What do you, when you look back, Ted, yes. what explains, what, what, talk to us about starting your business. Um, what challenges you encountered, what you overcame to finally, um, you know, start your business, uh, Muchira Butchery. That was yes. your, was that your first business? That's, that was the first business. Talk to me about how you started it. Well, what you don't know is before I went into that business, what was I doing? What were you doing? Shall we go there? I was actually one of the pioneer blacks in telecommunications as a technician. Hmm. So from school, 1962, I uh, I enrolled as an apprentice student under the, what we call PTC now. Post and Telecommunication Corporation. It was at that time known as the GPO, General Post Office, which encompassed the postal services and telecoms. Mm-hmm. We're all under the one umbrella, GPO. Uh, eventually, it turned into PTC, which is what now, you... Which is what, now Tel One, by the way, I think that's so. That's right, Tel yeah. One. Well, one of the, uh, one of the beasts of PTC, tell one this, uh, net uh, one, net one, yeah. and this postals. Yes. Actually, just to, to, while you are there, I eventually sat on the board for PTC. Yes. And we are the ones who recommended the split of these three. But let's go for, to, to my starting the business. I started business while I was working in PTC. Uh, the driving force was uh, when I asked, in fact, I had lost my father and I wanted to be transferred to either Rusapi or now Marundera. And my boss, the one I was working with, uh, only wrote one one word, provided I get a suitable replacement. Therefore, my transfer was declined. And I carried on. 
Then I decided, well, I better find my way out of this. A cousin of mine introduced me to the owner of the butchery, which was called Fadzamoyo. Uh, Where was this? In Eiffel, Chippis. Yeah. And I got started, and the business started doing very well. But one thing you don't know, you people don't know, is it's actually my wife who started running this business. I stayed on working until 1978, and the business was now running. And then back to my desire to be transferred, I said, this is the time to leave these people. So I put in my letter of resignation, and the same boss again wrote, provided I get suitable replacement. <laughs> But there were others above him who realized that we were lose, they were losing it, um, an asset. Uh, he quickly came to me and said, can we transfer you, if you for you to remain in, in the corporation? I said, no. My mind is made up. I'm leaving. I'm leaving. And that's how I left. Mm. Then I started full-time running the business. This time, the, our business had grown from a butchery to a general dealer. So the two were running side by side. Where was this? In Machipisa Machipisa shopping, shopping, shopping Center. Yeah. My wife stayed running the butchery. I went into the retail. Mm-hmm. They were they same place? The same retail place, and the butchery? Walking, in fact, on the same block. Okay. Yeah. So it was very easy to supervise and communicate. Talk to me, Ted, about how did you fund it? How did you, did you fund it from a salary? Did you get a loan? How did you do it? Self-funded. I had made a bit of saving. From your salary? From my salary, which I then paid a deposit to the seller. And in about six months' time, I paid him off. From your salary? From my salary. Because I told him the business, I can't rely on the business. Therefore, I'm going to rely on my salary. So I accepted those terms, which I met without any problem. Mm -hmm. So you pay him off in six months' time? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then I was Mm full-time, and my wife kept on running. Mm -hmm. For your own information, uh, we didn't have an account, and all the sales... uh, we keep kept in the home until my you wife. You didn't have a bank account. No, we didn't. Why? Because the bank couldn't allow you to open, or what? Was it by choice? <laughs> the environment was not as welcome, but my wife decided there was enough money for us to now open an account. Okay. And I said, "Well, go ahead and open the account." For your own information, my wife was better known at the bank than myself. She was the only signatory. And all the time that we ran businesses, I eventually became a signatory. And it was not a question of countersigns to signatures. Mm. Each one would sign on the account. And when I started running the, the retail shop, 
Apparently, the retail shop was it also known as Mchakari? Um, Mchira. Mchira. Was it this also one, known as this Mchira? one? Was now known as Mchira Kesh and Kerry. The butchery, Mchira, Mchira butchery. butchery, and this one was Mchira Kesh and Kerry. So the Mchira was the link. Mm. They all knew it was uh, the same business. Mm. Did very well. And so well that uh, when we were running the, I mean, when my wife opened the account, I then was also required to be signatory. And people said, who is this one? <laughs> what did you open an account with? Do you remember? It was uh, Barclays. Barclays Bank. Yeah. yeah, because they had a branch at uh, Machipisa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then there came a time when I wanted to borrow some money. They didn't want to hear of me. Wow. And when I resigned, I had a pension which was not yet mature, but whatever was there, I said, give it to me. That's what I injected into the business to finance my operations. And after some number, number of, I think it was in, now during independence in the 1980s. Mm. Uh, my landlord for the general dealer. Cash and carry. Cash and carry, yeah. They had a shop in Mufakos. And he liked me very much. So he offered me that shop and I gladly accepted it. And that was the springboard into business, seriously. It was also the time when the council advertised for a free stand in Warren Park. I submitted my application. I was in competition with, uh, you know, talking about the other business people, Boca. Ah, right. Roger Boca. Roger Boca. And I applied for this. And for some unknown reasons, our applications were declined, all of us. I then personally wrote a letter complaining why I had been treated the same as Woolworths. Forget the other big names that had applied. And they'd gotten the land. And, you know, and compared to myself, I'm only, you know, renting a premises. Why should I be treated the same? Well, they told me that we were going to Mm re-advertise. When it was re-advertised, I applied. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have enough money to justify me getting the the stand. And you know who came to my aid? Mm -hmm. Paul Mkondo. He gave, what was the, what did he used to say? It was before, before he really got full time into, into insurance. He was, but not as big as okay. he then was. So he gave me his balance sheet to submit with my application. That's how I got that set. Otherwise, you're not going to get the stage. I wasn't. Then we came to a stage where the city were finally going to give me the stand and the advertise in order to make sure there are no objections. And you know who objected me? Mm. 
towards Boko. Roger Boko ob- objected. Yeah. But he messed it up. Uh, he didn't know the Makoni that he was dealing with. He knew of the Makonis, but not me. So he had a Makoni who is much older than me, older than him, and he wrote his uh, objection to the meeting here, to the, to the council. Mm. And when I went into the meeting where I was supposed to be interviewed, mm. I had uh, Musariri, what's the first name? Um, oh, sorry, I can't remember his name now. Yeah. He was a, a counselor. So he advised me to look for a lawyer in order to defend me against a broker. And I said, I don't need a lawyer. Why should I pay money for nothing? I'm able to speak for myself. I know what I want. I know what I am. And guess what? Mm. That's what really helped me get that stand. When I was invited into the council meeting, the councillors were looking for a grey-haired person, which I was not. How old were you then? Do you uh, remember? I was in my 30s. Hmm. So you pitch up in front of council? Pitch up. And they say, is this the Makoni you are talking about? And the chairman said, yes. Are you sure? <laughs> See, what had happened is the councillors, the black councillors who were in this committee, had picked the white guys to ask me difficult questions. But having seen that this is not the Makoni they were expecting. Which Makoni were they expecting? They Boka had the Makoni who was a Chitungweza. Mm-hmm. That's his first name now. The one he was popularly mm-hmm. known in. Yeah, the, um, yeah. And my uncle, okay. who was much older than me, and many other Makonis that he knew. Okay. But not, not you. Not this one. So not a single question was asked. And the African guys who were expecting to get the wise to lead the, the attack, <laughs> they lost the battle. And this, the chairman said, oh, you can go away, Mr. McCoy. In the meantime, I had prepared notes what to say and what to defend. I never did. Never did need to defend yourself. It was just my face and the reality that I'm, I'm not the person that is being talked about. Then I got that stand. Then you got that stand. I'm going to stop you there. We're going to take a 20 minute uh, a, a break, rather. Yeah. Uh, please don't go away. Um, from that stand, let's find out what uh, Ted then did with that, uh, with, that, with that stand. So see you on the other side. It was a time where, if I was not careful, I would have gone on to borrow people using my good name.
Welcome back to our conversation with uh, Ted Makoni, uh, one of Zimbabwe's pioneering uh, entrepreneurs. Um, Ted, when we started, uh, I didn't mention your, all your names, Mache Edward Solomon Makoni, otherwise known as Ted. W what, what's the significance of Mache? Mache is because of uh, problems that occurred between my father and mother. Ah. I'm actually, I'm the first born by survival. Otherwise, my father and mother lost four children before me. Hmm. And when I was born, it was significant of the graves that my father and mother had had because of stones that I used there. A Sekuru of mine said he will be called a Mache. Edward was a name that apparently was given to me by a nursing sister at uh, what's this hospital at Parinyatwa uh, before. Mm. Is that where you were born? Yeah. Um, and she named me Edward, but I had an uncle who is called Edward, a cousin who is called Edward. My mother tried to object. Poor lady did not succeed. <laughs> and Solomon? Solomon was because of this Edward that mm. my father, my mother was wife fighting against the name. When uh, I was at the Dyer Mission, a friend of mine wrote me a letter. And the old man opened my letter because he thought it was his. But I don't think he thought it was. He was trying to look for whatever. <laughs> and I didn't like that. So I then took my father's name as my second name. That's how the Solomon, Solomon came comes in. in. And then uh, Macon, of course, is the, yeah, the, 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 the family, name. family name. Yeah. So you were born... Um, Let's get to the Ted. Yeah, right. Ted. Now, when I joined the chamber and I was on the executive, there were two Edwards ah. on, the cha on, the, on the same executive committee. So the one was called Ed. And they said, do you, do you mind if we call you Ted? I said, no problem. <laughs> that was the origin of Ted McCauley, which became the more popular, popular. name. In that's fact, what we know you as. It's a brand, in fact. It's a brand. But is. that's how it came. So, Ted, let, let's go to, you were born in Harare. Which schools did you go to? Um, I was, I, I did my standard uh, sub-A and B at my home school in Doha, where my father eventually bought a farm. And I did my sub-A up to standard three. Then I went to no emission, where I did my standard four up to standard seven. From there, I went to the dire mission, where I did my form one and two. And I landed up at my topo mission, where I did my, five, my form three and four. And that, that's where... I was supposed to, in fact, I had a place at Gurumonzi for Form 6. But my father, as, as I could see, 
I didn't see him being able to manage paying the fees. Mm. I actually disappointed him. He wanted me to proceed. And I said, no, you don't have the money. <laughs> and reluctantly, he allowed me to then join PTC, PTC. as technician. Mm. And interestingly, uh, about uh, the second term after I uh, started uh, being at uh, PTC, the old man could not afford the fees for my, for my siblings. So you're right after all. That's what it amounted to. So he came to me. He wanted uh, some funds. I said, why? He says, ah, and it's in a marriage. He couldn't answer me. So I sent him back home without a, a, a cent. A week later, I then went back home and gave him the school fees. But why did you send him back home without the money? You know, I wanted him to realize that he had made a grave mistake because we re- it was a serious quarrel hmm. between fa- father and son. You wanted to go to... I had already been accepted as an apprentice at PTC, but he didn't realize that. <laughs> So you, you then started helping him pay fees for your siblings? In fact, from there on, I started paying for all my siblings. Mm. And he had to look for other things, but mm. all the fees were now my responsibility. Becoming the stone. Oh, yeah. The stone, supporting the, becoming the foundation for the family. That's right, yeah. And so when we took a break, you, you had just uh, confounded these people the black people and the white guys trying to stop you getting the stand. Mm-hmm. You finally got that stand. Mm-hmm. What then happened with the stand? Well, I then started developing it from my own resources. Yeah. Up to a point where I had a farm which I sold in mm-hmm. order to get liquidity to complete the shop. Mm-hmm. So then, most of your business up to now is self-funded. You're buying things from pension, from your salary, from your savings. No bank loan? No. Why? Well, this is where racialism was really expressed in silence. You made an application, it would never succeed. And you were never, you were never told why? <sighs> the application is declined. <laughs> I like the long silence. <laughs> <laughs> the applications declined. Yeah. And until I got to this uh, this banker, the manager at Zim Bank, whom I was introduced by Mike Chidziwa, who appreciated what I had done from my own resources. And he gave me 75,000 overdraft. Mm-hmm. I then used some of that to complete what was outstanding on the building. And I remember exactly on the 6th of October, 1986, that's when I opened my supermarket. And what was the name of the supermarket? Uh, I called, is it still Mchira Cash and Carry? No, but Mchira was always there. Yeah. I called it Mchira Hypermarket. Mm. I didn't like the name supermarket. 
So I called it Mchira Hypermarket. Where was it located by the reminders? Warren Park. Warren Park. Park. One year. And it boomed. In fact, the one good thing is when I was trading before, before moving to Warren Park, I had a good record with uh, manufacturers and did most of my purchases for, the, for my shops. Mm through the manufacturers. Take us through some of the manufacturers. Do you remember them? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Blue Ribbon. Blue Ribbon. National Foods. Mm-hmm. National Breweries. Mm-hmm. Um, Olivin. Those are the, the major. The major. Yeah, I had accounts with all those shops. And what, what do you think explains your, your success? You say it boomed. What do you think explains? When I got started, Remember this seventy-five thousand uh, yeah overdraft. overdraft. I went back to the suppliers. Mm-hmm. Said was I had actually been out of business for eighteen months, but with my accounts all paid up. Mm-hmm. So I went back and said I want I now want to reopen my accounts, and all of them were reopened. Victoria Foods mm-hmm. is one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lever Brothers. Mm-hmm. All, all those accounts were reopened and I never really used the overdraft. The, the manufacturers were now funding they funded you. My, funded my business. I think the one message that I would like people to learn is you want to be credible in running a business. If you lack that integrity, credibility, you will never make it. Because imagine after 18 months being out of business and go there the next day, they all opened their accounts. Why had you gone out of business, by the way? Why had you stopped? Well, I, I, I could, I didn't have even enough uh, working capital to, to, to store, to, to store to, up. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I, I sold those businesses, plowed it into the building. Still, I did not finish the business. Until I got this uh, overdraft, that was my savior. Wow! And coming back, coming to the chamber, I was already on the executive. I was already known as Ted, but because of this eighteen months out of business, I was intending to actually resign from the executive because things were tough. Yeah. So one of these. What lessons did you learn from? that tough season in your life, those 18 months that you were in, in, in out, out, of, out of business, what lessons can you share with, uh, with the viewers? I think the lessons that I would like people to learn is you survive on the least that you can. It was a time where if I was not careful, I would have gone on to borrow people using my good name and put myself in worse debt. But I never did that. Mm. Uh, lucky enough, I was able to continue sending my children to school, in boarding schools. Mm-hmm. I was able to do that. And in fact, by the time the business was booming, I, I, I never felt any change. Uh, because you were disciplined in your lifestyle. That's right. Mm. And I think that is very important in, in business. Uh, don't carry yourself 
I. I know some young men, I mean, I don't want you to, to say it, I will not mention their name, I'll, I'll, I'll tell sure, you. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I interacted with them, but uh, I'll tell you when we have a break. Yeah. Yeah. So, to me, I think that's the lesson that I like uh, mm. people to learn, uh, is learn to survive on what is affordable. Mm. Uh, don't try and pretend to be what you are not. Mm. Yeah, because you know it's easier to patch yourself up on top of a hill, but uh, coming down may be difficult if you are not careful. You crash. <laughs> <laughs> so you you then get into this consortium with seven other entrepreneurs, was it six six or seven, to f- create the food chain group. Food chain group. Talk to talk to us about that. Right. Um, I was actually approached by somebody from Spa. Somehow they saw me as a very difficult person to talk to. I don't know why. <laughs> Clearly, they didn't know you because some of us uh, were drinking and smoking with you. So they sent somebody specially to come and talk to me from Spa and see if I can uh, join their franchise. After I listened to him and said, well, let me think about it. Eventually, I said, fine, I'll do that. Yeah. So I joined Spa. We did quite well in Spa, but... There came a time when uh, Spa started operating uh, corporate shops. They were paying more attention to corporate shops and making life difficult for franchise holders. Franchise holders. And with my other guys, we decided either we become shareholders into the corporate shop. If not, then let's pull out. Mm. So we approached management at uh, SPA and said, we want uh, shares into the corporate shops. And they just didn't want what to. What year was this, Ted? Uh, 2002? About 2000. Mm-hmm. I know, it was before, and yeah, it was 2000. It was 2002, Gono came into being. So we we decided we were pulling out. So in block, we left uh, Spa, and Spa nearly crashed. They had to really look for a way to keep on running. Mm. And we approached the suppliers again. The good name came carried to, you. Yeah. Of all my other uh, friends. None had a better record with suppliers than myself. Mm. So it was my accounts that we used to open accounts for FCG. Mm. And we started running FCG eventually. How many shops did you take into the food chain group? Do you remember? Uh, by that time, I had 
In fact, I had one when I went into, and sorry, in 14 group. Yeah. It was three because in the meantime, after, while I was in uh, spa, I opened an, an outlet at Rodzor and I opened the first 24-hour service shop in town. I turned it into a 24-hour outlet. Outlet, and it was it was booming. Um, in fact, you want to know when I opened it? Yes. Um, after I had made all the preparations. I decided I was going to open at odd hours in order to be able to manage the traffic that may come in. Wow. So being a 24-hour service, I opened that out at 12 o'clock midnight. And the, the traffic that came in there was unmanageable. My till operators were so shocked they couldn't operate. They couldn't operate. So it was a good idea after all. It was. Yeah. Eventually, you know, we had to close the, the, the doors, get the guys to settle down, take care of the traffic that was already in the shop. And from there, we started operating. Ted, we'll take another break here. So you, when we come back, uh, don't go away. We're going to go to the period when Ted becomes uh, the president of the Zimbabwe National Chamber of Commerce and uh, um, look at what he did when he was uh, with uh, the GenCC. So see you on the other side. That was our winning ticket because that was a service to the members. Greetings. My name is Trevor Nube, host of In Conversation with Trevor, Zimbabwe's most engaging conversational show. I go beyond the headlines and beyond the sensational. We've brought before your screens change makers from arts, business and politics and from the region. Please join our growing community of viewers. Subscribe, like, and share. Welcome back to our conversation with Ted Marconi, one of Zimbabwe's pioneering uh, black entrepreneurs. So, Ted, you then became the president of the Zimbabwe National Chamber of uh, Commerce from 1994 to 1996. Right. Um, what were the, the highlights of your uh, tenure as uh, president of ZNCC? Do you remember? The highlights, the first one was just as I was uh, taking the office, IBDC were coming into the Indigenous Business, Business Development Center. Right. And... Their aim was to challenge ZNCC uh, by taking all the businesses, black businesses, into their fold. So I remember one of the days, somebody, I can't remember his name, uh, phoning me and inviting me to come to IPDC. In fact, they wanted me to come and be president. I said, there's no way I can come there. You people, if you really want to survive, you want to call yourself a pressure group within the chamber, but not outside. Mm -hmm. If you want to survive, come into the chamber and then fight from within. 
Right. And they didn't listen to me. Uh, in the meantime, uh, strive uh, became the leading guy. Uh, but on my part, I made sure I don't go to war with them, but I'll make sure that they, the chamber provides business, I mean, services to the chamber, I mean, to the members. Mm -hmm. We started an operation where we would get my shops, um, leading shops, to give special accounts to ZNCC members. Mm -hmm. That was our winning ticket because that was a service to the members, which was not there before then. And was ZNCC seen as a white organization or a black organization? Just uh, help jog our memories there. It, it, it was seen as a white organization, but again, we played our cards very well. Uh, to the blacks who were already in the executive committee, we had our own private meetings where we decided how to make the chamber leadership black. Mm-hmm. And that's when uh, we had Gabriel Shamu, followed by Phil Jumbe, uh, followed by... Then I came in. Mm-hmm. Right. It was... We had actually worked out a, a formula where the three of us would follow each other. Mm. And we also got the white members who were non-racial, they supported the idea because they realized that in the long run, they needed blacks in order for the chamber to be accepted. Mm-hmm. And prior to that as well, it was very difficult to get a hearing with government. And during my term, we started opening our avenues into Government. 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 Mm. What were the main problems that the chamber was dealing with? Uh, do, you, do, do you remember? Well, we had problems like the price controls, minimum wages. Um, those were the major ones which we dealt with until we managed to get the government to hold back instead of uh, taking a leading role in as if they were supervising businesses. And I recall very well when I had a meeting with uh, Arajim Gabe. Uh, I had tried to get to meet him through his ministers and instead they were blocking me. But I was already on the PTC board. And one of these days, that's when we we commissioned the Causeway Post Office. And I was vice chairman of uh, PTC board then. And my chairman was away, and I was actually the acting, acting chairman. chairman. So I took an opportunity to meet Mugabe. Uh, I had met him before, 
and he had referred me to his ministers. And I told him, you know, I've met all these ministers. And he says, he called one of his uh, henchmen. He says, I want to see this man in a week's time. But you had met the ministers. The ministers had blogged you. Well, instead, because they had not opened the way for Yeah, and the issues that you're raising, do you remember what, the, what, what were those issues? The first thing that was uh, for, for Mugabe to appreciate that we were not uh, white, enemies of the state. White, white, white men's, uh, yeah. We have whites, yes, but instead whites are actually under. Because you're being branded as. Uh, That's right. And I was in competition with IBDC, who were driving the same message that, you know, these are white men's uh, boys. So when I met Mugabe, uh, in fact, it was interesting in that after he told me to told this guy to arrange a meeting for me, uh, his minister yes, was was I will not mention the name. Uh, in fact, was told that I'm meeting the president of the CNCC, so he had to come to that meeting. And when I made my made my presentation after I spoke about the chamber and what we were doing. And I said, we are very much in to training people in business before we can talk of money. Yes, we need money, but we need to train people and we run training courses. And at the end of my pre presentation, he said, you know, for the first time, I've understood what you people are. And if anything, you really need our support. And from there, the chamber was invited into all sorts of meetings, budget meetings, what have you. And I had also, at one time, approached the, the secretary of a cabinet, of a, a member of parliament, of parliament, parliament secretary of, of parliament. parliament. Yeah. And I, I approached him and said, now look, you people, not figures of all sorts of things in zero. Do you know what those figures mean? He said, no. I said, I have a committee in you know, finance and um, economy committee. So the budget is that they had just been read. So we went and saw them. They said, now, here is the budget. What does it mean to you? And none had an idea. So we talked to them through budget. The national budget. The national budget, yeah. The one that G08 presented. Yes. And that, in fact, led to the Secretary of Parliament giving us an office at Parliament House where we had a liaison guy who used to sit in the House Parliament with an office there. Mm. That helped the Chamber's image. I would have thought, uh, Ted, that your competition was CZI, no? No, not CZI were not in competition as such. Because this was big business. No. Uh -huh. CZI was focused on manufacturers. Right. But ZNCC was focused on manufacturers as well as retailers. So we actually had a bigger membership mm. than, than CZI. So why, why was IBDC perceived as competition for you? 
Well, because we went even into the rural areas. You know, we had branches. All over. All over, yeah. So And we, IBDC was going for those for those members of yours. Yeah, but unfortunately they were telling people they'll be able to give give their monies. Which and people were now wanting to cross over. Yeah, but they never got the money anyway. It was the money was for 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 for, for, the, for the leadership who used the membership to support their cause. Do, do you think their cause, correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought that IBDC was saying, let's support black business men to break in, uh, to come into the market rather, through funding, through the market, government giving them support and that kind of stuff. How was that perceived as a threat by the chamber? Well, to, to, to us, we never really fought them. But instead, we telling them that the way they are going, okay. promising people to get funds and so on, they will never get funds from government. Uh-huh. And very soon, you know, those people will not want to follow them, which in fact turned out with the truth. Mm. And in the end, it was only the, the, you know, the, big, the big, big ones who were able to get money from the banks using the impression that they were member, they were like, like leaders of a mm. bigger groups. Mm. And the, the, pro- the problem, uh, not the problem, but the issue that I had with IBDC was to say, you guys, the chamber, uh, mm. people like you, people like Ted, people like um, the Mukondos, had succeeded mm. in very difficult, in a very difficult environment. Yes. And we are in a country that is run by a black government, majority black, and we are fighting. We we we're now finding ourselves in a position where we're saying you need to be give particular attention to the indigenous business businesses. For me, that's where I found that couldn't this have been done in a different kind of kind of way? Because, like you said, it turned out that the people that benefited were the people that it were at the top. The top. Mm. Well, in fact, our thrust was to encourage the banks to be more user-friendly. And if you recall, this is the time when uh, the banks formed what they called the small business mm. units. Mm. Uh, it was a reaction to our, that pressure. That pressure. And I recall having a meeting with uh, some junior members of the banks at uh, Jameson Hotel. They invited me there. And we're discussing on how to assist the blacks. And they said, ah, we have got a small units business. I said, those things will not last because you reacted to the pressure. You are not the ones who had the idea of how you can run small, small businesses. businesses and then come up with a formula that works. Yours was to sort of Ward off the pressure that mm. you are under. Knee-jerk reaction. That's right, and in fact, they didn't last. Mm. Uh, I don't think they even uh, lasted for more than a year. Mm. Those uh, units uh, collapsed. Ted, let's go to what you're doing now. Um, plot eight, headlands, Muchiravel development plan. That's a big project. Just in a nutshell, what are you trying to do? 
I'm trying to do farming, mm -hmm. but I intend to use that as a base for my family. I'm no longer young enough to be running around. I am uh, focusing on uh, livestock, which is less demanding. But In I'll, partnership with your son, eh? Yeah. Okay. Mm. And once I get that started, I mean, in fact, it is now started. Okay. It's running. We are breeding um, the stock that I would like to make sure it's uh, the driving force for the beef for, for, for the business. So what is that? Are you into is it beef? Uh what 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 stock are you looking at? I'm looking at in fact supplying heifers into the market. All right. That's what I like to do. In fact I would like to compete with a neighboring white who does that mm -hmm. uh, stubs. That's where I bought my initial stock. Okay. And I'm breeding my own uh, This is in, in Headlands. In Headlands, yeah. yeah. Mm. Okay. And so uh, once I get to 60 breeders, all the heifers I'll be selling, I'll be supplying the, the market. Mm -hmm. And the steers I'll be selling into mm. the butcheries. And hopefully my sons will take an interest into running the, the business the, 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 not only that including the the farming itself because mm. i believe they need to have that for the future absolutely yeah ted it's it's been amazing talking to you when you look at uh, your life ted i mean like i like i said when we, we started for me you represent this amazing group of people who under the most difficult conditions fought hard and 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 built great businesses when you look back at your life are there painful moments in your life where you think you could share lessons with our viewers mm. i think painful moments come in the sense that um, If you are going to do it in business, you want to be in a position not to rely on outside forces. Mm. Uh, because uh, there will be a tendency to influence you in a manner that you can't resist because you are already committed. Mm, you're compromised. Yeah. So I would not advise anybody, difficult as things may be, to put yourself in a position where you can't make decisions painful as they may be 
but because you have done certain things, it's difficult to act independently. That's right. Somebody's got you by. And once you are so compromised, mm. you don't have any way out. Um, so one should always avoid a situation where, yes, you may need help, but it's help that is useful to you. Uh, but without compromising. Strings attached. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one should avoid all that. It's, it's At all costs. Ted, it's been amazing talking to you. Thank you so much. Like I said, you represent an amazing generation, a generation that inspired a lot of us to get into, into, into business. So we were watching you from the terraces. Like I said, fond memories of our smoking breaks. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ted, thank you so much and wish you, wish you all the very best with the project that you're working on now with, uh, with your sons. Wish That's you right. all the very best. So, thank you so much for coming. Remain seated there, Ted. Allow, allow me to um, thank you, the, thank the viewers who are out there who follow us on a, a weekly basis. Remember, we are a weekly show. We are out every Monday, 7 a.m. Central African time. And to ensure that you don't miss out on, on any of these quality conversations, I invite you to click on this subscribe button, like, and share. Remember, we've gone a step further. We've put all our content on our website and put uh, podcasts uh, on that website for your listening pleasure. All our content sits there, uh, videos and uh, podcasts. Thank you for watching. Until next time, cheers to you all. Thank you.